On behalf of the Lifehug team, thank you for watching this video. And for more clips and beneficial content, please subscribe to the Lifehug channel, your number one source for personal Islamic development. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to another episode of the Lifehug podcast. We're actually broadcasting live from Haji's Mideast Foods. Alhamdulillah, beautiful meal that we were able to enjoy with the brothers from Camp Sunnah and also our two beloved shuyukh, Imam Abdullah is with us and Sheikh Abdurrahman Murad. And uh, what were your thoughts about the meal that we just had? It is by far the best steak that I've ever had, alhamdulillah. You've heard it here, okay? So we have one vote for the best steak that the Sheikh has ever had and the Sheikh's been international. I agree. I agree, sir. Best steak. So two. So two. So should I be, you know, should I go with the jamur or should I make the ajma? And yes, I also vote. All three of us say that this is the best steak that we have ever had. Alhamdulillah. So um, it was a beautiful week this week, Kham Sunnah, uh, and a man-boosting week. Uh, I don't think anybody's ever come out of this particular program and has not had a significant elevation and uplifting of their Iman. On a converse note, like see on, on the other end of the spectrum, what are, would you say in your experiences, things that have had the worst effect on your Iman? Well, uh, if you don't mind, I'll go ahead, Sheikh. So there's a few things, of course, and these things yeah. can affect anyone. Yeah. You know, during COVID-19, it became more evident, subhanAllah. And that is being alone by yourself. Mm. Yeah, you're with your family. But then the jama'ah, in the masjid, it really has an impact upon you. Mm. You know, our masjid were shut down for quite some time. Afterwards, at such a limited capacity that you could, you barely had that, you know, that ukhuwa because distances must be there. No handshaking, no embracing. You head out, you come back in. You don't know at any moment you could be, you know, the, the health inspectors could come along and check on what you're doing. So it was really a nerve-wracking situation, and you felt alone to yeah. an extent, very much they, so. Were they friendly, the health inspectors? Or well, they, they didn't come, alhamdulillah, okay, but you know, that we were following the, we yeah. took, by all guidelines, everything we're doing, and we're yeah. going above and beyond, actually. So yeah. people bring their own sajada, and the, you know, we made everyone, we mandated masks inside, that even when it was not mandated. So it, it was well, everything went well, but then just the fact that you're not able to interact with your fellow Muslims as you would have, you know, pre-COVID, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's difficult. It, it was such a strange time it as was. well. I, I saw uh, a family made like a, like a plastic barrier for them to be able to like touch yeah. their grandparents. So it's I like, saw, yeah. you know what I mean? Like they're touching and you know, it's this, this plastic ground, you know? Yeah. yeah. That was something that, you know, now that we're back to normal, at least yeah. to an extent, mm. you really feel that ukhuwa, that brotherhood once again in the masjid and and we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that, yeah. alhamdulillah. And we pray to Allah that we don't go back to a condition where the first and second and third wave were really damaging. So, you know, we can only hope and pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah. So you, for yourself, the isolation yeah. had a severe impact on your iman? Oh, definitely it was, yeah. How about you, uh, Imam? What, what, what has, and it could be a specific event or things in general that anytime you encounter or experience it, it has a negative effect on your iman. You know, subhanAllah, say, when you go into the wrong environments, right? Yeah. And even, it's not like we go there by choice. It's not yeah. like you're going into yeah. an environment that you are going because it's a bad environment. Yeah. But 
You know, sometimes, sometimes you know, subhanAllah, just something as simple as going to like a, a what do they call those things? The roller coasters and, and amusement park. Amusement park, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm not saying that you can't go. I mean, yeah. We go ourselves, right, with yeah. our kids. To, but you're not giving just, a fatwa against you, amusement parks. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Right? Um, but the thing is, if you lose yourself, yes. if you lose yourself, and we know the hadith of our Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that Allah, right? Why? I mean. The most beloved place for Allah SWT is the masjid, like Sheikh was saying, right? When you're able to go there, when you're able to see your brothers for the sisters, when they see their sisters, and you know, you see someone working on their Quran, they're working yeah. on their salah, it, it uplifts you. Yes. On the other hand, our Prophet says that, you know what, the mall or the marketplace is the most disliked place for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because it takes you away from the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then subhanAllah, you know, uh, so I'm giving the example of an amusement park just because like that is somewhere where it's all about just amusement, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. You're going there just to be amused. You're yeah. going there to yeah. forget. People go there to kind of just have a good time and kind of forget yeah. about their problems or whatever, right? Yes. But we can't forget about Allah subhanahu wa yes. ta'ala. So just like if you go there and you, and I found, I, I found this in myself that you know what they, alhamdulillah, like in, on, in Toronto they have Canada's Wonderland, right? Mm. One of the beautiful things about about there is that they have this musalla. Well, it's not a musalla; it's an interfaith, it's an oh, interfaith okay. room. But as yeah. as always, right? it, yeah, yeah. interfaith room becomes like a musalla, right? Yes. So uh, you go there. We we spend some time. So it's a little bit of a recharge in between, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, so this I think these environments mm. they are something that really affect your iman, especially if if you're not looking out for it. And then Subhanallah, um, I'm just thinking about the hadith. Of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in Tirmidhi, with regards to the du'a usu, right? Mm. Yeah, the du'a of the of the marketplace. Yes. Why, Subhanallah? You know, like sometimes you, when you listen to the virtue of that, yeah. of doing the du'a, La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lahu al-mulk wa lahu al-hamd yuhi wa yumit wa huwa hayyun la yamut biyadhi al-khayba wa ala kulli shayin qadir. When you're remembering Allah subhanahu wa taala in that time when it's so difficult to remember Allah subhanahu wa taala. And you, when you listen to the virtues, Shaykh, sometimes like yeah. just looking, listen to the virtues, you might think this is a weak hadith, right? Yeah. Because because the virtues are so great, like you yes. get a million rewards, a million sins forgiven, and a million, a million of your of your status is raised, a million darajat, right? Like so why is it so valuable? Because it's so hard. And so that's what I would say. Is, yeah. it's you know, it's funny you say that about the mall. I would say that's probably like a regular yes. occurrence that I, I do feel the same thing when you go into a mall because every you know store has some kind of music blasting yeah. right like do do like you know you're just like I just want some shoes like <laughs> you know and then you have like this uh, music that's blasting and then like you know there were times I remember when you, you go as like maybe a, a young adult teenager with your parents and then you're walking past like something like a Victoria oh, yeah. Secret store which is like it's everywhere like and it's like a woman in a, in underwear and you you feel uncomfortable like whether you were with your parents or not like you're just yeah. but it's even more so you, you know what I mean and um, yeah it's I agree with you the, the mall is uh, a place that yeah your iman levels can take yeah. quite a bit of a hit for sure yeah. you know one thing that I'd say yeah. in today's time yeah. um, even though like I mean Everything's opening up, but even when the malls are closed, right? Yeah, yeah that that all the extra diversions are not there, but still, if you get too involved in 
an online store too, right? Oh, yes. You can waste a lot of your time. Yeah, like I've a lot seen of your people, money too. A lot of your money, yeah. <laughs> yeah. right? But I've seen I've seen people like spend hours on end mm. looking for that one shirt, right? Mm. Looking for that one, and mm. you spend so much of your I, time. I think also because online. Like you have to do a lot of guesswork. That's right. You know, I mean? you can't go in and try it on. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because you have to be like, oh, is this gonna fit? And then people. And the thing is, when you're in that online world, it's connected to so many different things. Like, uh -huh. so then you go look up the review. Oh, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Then you see this YouTube video yeah. of this guy trying on the. Shit, you know what I mean? So it takes you down like this yeah, vortex yeah. for yeah, sure. But yeah, that that uh, whole mall mentality is pretty crazy. Um, have you seen? Those uh, those malls actually, there are certain malls I know in certain Muslim countries. They have uh, musalla in there, like they have. Oh, yeah. have you Malaysia. Seen? Yeah, Malaysia, Turkey, um, Muslim, Khalid. Muslim, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. They have they have that, and that's also an interesting like confluence there too, right? Because you have like some of those places is like a lot of materialism, like you know, yeah. just you know, the next level, and then it's like you know, still people have that yearning, right? So they have. This desire to connect to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, something meaningful in a non-meaningful environment, right? Mm -hmm. So, if you were to design like an Islamic amusement park, what would be the difference? So, if we wanted to have something that's has more of like an Islamic essence to it, you know what I mean, for families, what would the changes be in that type of, um, say, dream project? So you got theme. You got to set a proper theme first. Proper off, theme. Right? What no, would the your theme, theme be? Well, I'm throwing ideas here. Maybe yeah. Make it like focused around maybe, you know, the masjid as being the centerpiece, and afterwards you have, yeah. you know, different activities for the youth that are reminiscent of, you know, past times. Where, for example, like an Islamic history yes. type of thing, like a so Salah Hadin, right, and, and yeah. Yeah. Mamluk, yeah. you know. Of course. Mamluk yeah. bumper cars, you know, you know against the Mongols. You know what? I think I think another <laughs> aspect of it would yeah, be yeah. also to to uh, incorporate some some kind of physicality. Yeah, right? yeah. Because that's for Muslims. That's that's a yeah. very important part of who we are, right? Yeah. Airborne arrows running between yeah, the. You know how yeah, many can you get, right? Yeah, and be you, that'd yeah. be crazy. Like if yeah. you're having some kind of, because the problem with with the the amusement parks as they are today is, oh yeah, this does this. Okay, sit down. And basically, you're, you're, all this stuff is happening, but yeah, you're yeah. sitting, right? What, and what long lineups. Yeah. How do we avoid long lineups? <laughs> first of all, would Muslims line up in the first place? Inshallah, they would. <laughs> Maybe they wouldn't. Subhanallah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then uh, we, we could, I don't know, with the food, a little bit more, you know. It's always with the food, huh? We're yeah. always wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we always think food fixes everything. Yeah. If you have like ethnic foods there, let's say you have like the yeah. not a masala, yeah. all these rides and yeah. all ethnic foods. Yeah. So you can go pick and choose the yeah. food, these other yeah. foods. Yeah. Are actually, that, food. that would yeah. be actually pretty cool, nice like masala. a like an international yeah. food fair type of thing. That there. food always draws people in. Yes, so. yeah. But because you know, one of the things in those places, like the food is very unhealthy. It is. Oh, yeah. And for Muslims, like we know, we really need to watch what we consume right like not only with our eyes ears our mouths like yeah. what are we ingesting right of course, yeah. so a lot of those places like the food is you know really bad for us and i find a, a trend I, I don't know if you've seen this now because like back in the day when i was coming up there wasn't as much halal food yeah uh commercially available so you had home cooking most of the time mm -hmm. now it's so widely available 
we like we've gone crazy. Like yeah. I remember, I know, I know people who've been waiting all their whole life to eat gummy bears, like halal gummy bears. <laughs> now it's like the. <laughs> You know, the restrictions are open. It's like, you know, how you were telling me in Saudi, like, women can yeah. drive now. It's like, they're all, like, getting the new BMWs and Mercedes, and they're just taking off, right? So it's the same thing. Like, you know, now that, like, you know, some people just going crazy is, oh, it's halal, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's still really bad for you. You know, have you noticed that, too? Like, with this commercial, like, now it's become so easy in a lot of places. People eat out more maybe than they should, and then they eat a lot of, like, junk food, which yeah. is now also... I remember there was a whole like flip-flopping with Skittles back in the yeah. day. Skittles was halal for a while, and then they changed their ingredients back, and then and then it's like there were certain you know people who were so in tune to that. Yeah. You know <laughs> what I mean? So, so Shaykh, um, you know with the, the issue of food yeah. specific, since we're kind of open that topic. Yeah. Uh, like I, I, I when I studied about this, you know, in detail mm. about the substances that are added to food and whatnot. Yeah. The question that came to my mind after looking at the ingredients. It's so commercialized, so full of chemicals. Mm. The thing that came to my mind was, is this actually food? Mm. Yes. I, I doubt it because what yeah. we're consuming nowadays is artificial chemicals. There's a bunch of chemicals put together. Yeah. Uh, and even if one was given, and this, they tested this, where they gave a, you know, some children uh, the actual product yeah. versus the artificial fake product, mm. most preferred the fake product, be it orange juice and whatnot, because of the smell, yes. the scent, the t it's designed to draw you in. Yeah. The real stuff, like, Orange juice is a simple example. Yeah. Squeeze it yourself at home, yeah. drink it. It might have that sour taste, it might bitter taste, depending on the orange itself. Yeah. Take it from the store, it is so sweet. Give it to the kids, they're gonna reject that juice that you made at home, yeah. and they'll want the juice that you can get from the store. Yeah. So we've been primed to have this garbage in our system. Mm. So in essence, the question is, is it actually food? Yes. And then, you know, we have the rule. For example, yes. where people would use it to say, you don't be wasteful, you eat, consume food. To me, this would not necessarily fall underneath that ayah or those ayat that are like this, but rather under the hadith of the Prophet wasallam, I said, نَضَرَرْ وَنَضِرَرْ Do not harm yourself or harm anyone else. Yes. So mm -hmm. we're consuming this stuff, as you, as you said, yes. and we've spoken about this before. We consume this food, it is harmful to our bodies. It's damaging us, yes. uh, and uh, we don't think much about it. Because and it's long-lasting. Some of the damage yeah, is long-lasting. Fast food, for like, example. You know, yeah. your liver does not, yeah. you know, re recover. Like, you know, there's some people suffering from chronic, like, yeah. fatty liver. It's not due to alcohol. It's called um, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, right? Nafold. So th these people don't drink because usually that happens with drinking alcohol. Yeah. But because the diet has become so bad, like you, yeah. you know, whether it's diet drinks or mm. you know these sugars and these artificial chemicals yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's so been like causing let's permanent say, damage. Let's say you have someone donated. Uh, like this happened in, back, you know, in different countries, but uh, let's say a, a, a whole cart of you know hundreds of Pepsi cans. Yes. They're gonna expire in one week. Yeah. Some brothers were of the opinion we'll give it out to everyone so they can drink it. Others said no, throw the whole thing in the trash right now. Yes. It's not even worth giving this out. It's garbage. Yes. Yes. The debate was is it food, is it not food? Mm. It's chemicals, it's yeah. sugar, it's all yeah. toxic. You're tossing yeah. the garbage. Yeah. SubhanAllah. Maybe you can use that to like I think you can use that to clean automotive oh, yeah. parts. It's perfect, yes, yes. You know what I mean? So use that <laughs> no, donate to like an automotive garage here. You guys can <laughs> I was just drinking this a minute ago. <laughs> you want me to clean my auto? Yes. You know that's how bad it is. You know, I think when we're when we're when we're thinking about uh, restaurants, right? Yeah. And the halal the halal market yeah. kind of exploding, right? Yes. Um, 
Especially like when you go to like the GTA, like GTA has got like crazy, crazy. GTA is like man. you know Canada's yeah, hub for yeah. halal. But the thing is, like Subhanallah, up until the point, like I mean, it's also a ni'mah to have this stuff within moderation, True. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but like when when it wasn't so readily available, like I remember when we were young, there was yeah. this one pizza store, Medina Halal Pizza. Yeah. When we were, that was the first halal place where you shout out to Medina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember the last time I've been there. But, but, yeah. I haven't been there so many other places, but but um, you know, Subhanallah, like first place, yeah. right? Um, so it was a big deal. Like you, you, you end up going maybe like once a month. Yes, right? Yeah, you get a slice of pizza, and it's oh. like a, it's like your, it made you, makes your day. Like yeah, you know, <laughs> you're a young yeah. kid. But so but now, so I think in some ways, it made things easier for us because you didn't have to fight your nuff so much. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You yeah. don't have an option, man. You have to yeah. you're either eating veggie outside. Yeah. Or yeah. Right? Or you're or, or you're cooking, cooking your food, right? Cooking, right? Right? And and subhanallah, like yeah. that's what we grew up on. Like, yeah. you know, like our, our, you know, like our looking for like there was these there's there's the meals that you know you know, you look really look forward to because yeah. that that's what it was, right? Yeah. Uh, wholesome, right? Yeah. Now I mean, now you gotta fight your nuts. Yeah, right? of course. Now you gotta fight your nuts a little bit more. So you know what's interesting is like, so many of these things that can make your life convenient, mm-hmm. or you look to have fun or pleasure with. At the end of the day, you don't feel like, you don't feel wholesome. Like you don't. don't it's not. You. It's not nutritious. You know what I mean? It's not like a nutritious yeah. consumption, whether it's food or going to the mall, consuming. You know that consuming your time, yeah. and you know I think that's a one of the biggest things that I think people are programmed to seek out things that are like fun and maybe alluring or tasty or delicious or whatever but you don't think about okay how do I feel afterwards yeah. you know what, I mean? what are the effects afterwards you know yes, and uh, we don't sometimes put those considerations you know? Uh, you know you know I mean this is going off yeah. topic a little bit yeah. but um, just going back to that the musalla. Yeah. Right? Because you talked about the yeah. mall, it just reminded me. And we just prayed our salah right now, right? We prayed. We prayed ha- you know, yeah. yeah, so yeah. Haji's another shout out. Mashallah. Let us pray. Yeah, so yeah. that's, yeah. that's, that's what, I, as well. that's what I actually little. wanted to talk about. Yeah. Like, you know, subhanAllah, when you, like, for example, when you go into the musallah with the family mm. at Canada's Wonderland, yeah. and yeah, you can still hear kind of the, all, that, yeah. all that music part yeah. music in the background like yeah. not it's it's not very close but you can hear it right yeah. um, you can hear kids screaming whatever yeah. but then you're you're there like this is your moment like it's yeah. it's it's special yeah. you know like even though it's not quiet like a masjid is yeah. quiet right mm-hmm. just as praying in nature yeah. under the yeah. trees mm-hmm. hearing the birds it's it's different right yeah, it's special. so so this is this is also special because mm-hmm. there's an effort to yeah. come there right yeah. And uh, so I just, always feel yeah. like a connection, like like you know, because you see all these people when they come for the salah, and you're like these people were like random people you probably yeah. were walking past in the mall, Priorities, and yeah. now you're like praying beside them in this musalla. There's a special feeling. It's like man, like yeah, we're Muslim, we're we're, we're, we're bowing together. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then just you know, like talking about being able to do our salah here in the, yeah. in the, in the uh, restaurant, yeah. like. You know, in, in Toronto, when there's certain restaurants that have musallas. Yes. Right? They have a few, though, right? Yeah, there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's yeah. a few, not too many, right? Yeah, yeah. But, like, if I'm going, if we're going into an area and we know that there's this one there's this one restaurant that has a musallah, 
And there's another that's close. Maybe yeah. even has better food, right? Yeah. We'll go to this one. Why? Because it's Allah Subhanallah. Knows. Just, just yeah. supporting those people who who, who give priority to yeah. Salah and Allah. I mean, Subhanallah. You know, like even like when you're sometimes you're you're eating, right? Mm -hmm. And then you see a brother or a sister getting up and going doing their Salah. It's a reminder, yes. right? Or even when you go yourself and, and you and you can see yeah. like just the fact that maybe someone will pray yeah. salah after seeing me. So it's it's yeah. it's just that, that's part of what makes us strong, yeah. right? So you know praying with strangers is such a huge amount yeah. boost. I find yeah, isn't that a yeah. such like someone you've never met before, you feel like this instant connection. Like you've never seen that person you meet like you know, or for example, you go to a masjid, you're visiting that city. You go to a masjid there's not too many people there and you just end up joining. It's like you feel an instant bond yeah. Yeah, with yeah. the musallin there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like indescribable, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, we should do a, a road trip called praying with strangers <laughs> and just literally go find as many strangers <laughs> to, fun, actually. <laughs> to pray with. I think it's already called Jamaat Tabaliq. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm copying their, <laughs> their <laughs> idea. <laughs> but, but praying with strangers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll call it that, right? There's like the mobile musallah. Have you heard of that, Chef? Mobile, you know, I haven't heard the, of This is like where they would, you know, I think it's in Malaysia and other places too, but then okay. they... Malaysia is a lot of cool around, stuff. They're driving around, then yeah. suddenly at that time, it's like a truck. Yeah. <laughs> Everything you need for musallah. They open the water taps are there for all the water. The mats go on the ground. Yeah. The imams thing go on the front, and they all pray salah there. When they finish, really? they roll, it, wrap it up, and they drive off. Yeah, that's really mobile musallah. And, and 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 they just drive to random places, or in, in areas where there's going to be a lot of traffic. Oh, maybe there's okay. a masjid there, but it's not. It cannot take Access everyone. It? Yeah, okay. so this is like more right in the street. Okay. Why do you want to go all the way down there? You can be right here. You pray salah right there. Yeah. Just a so, reminder too. Right? Oh, yeah, it is. It's amazing. So, I don't know. so mm. let's say a mobile masjid idea yeah. here. Yeah, in, you know, in places the, where there's more when people see yeah. like, although obviously our salah and our worship shouldn't be performative, like we pray, like to show off to people, but when you do pray in public, it does have an effect, like, like yeah. you know, on, on 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 people. I think on, it has a very. I think on effect. yourself as well, Shir. Yeah, it kind of boosts so, your own iman. Yeah, because you have that pride of Islam within you. Yeah, yeah. And I, th I think it's also like, one is to do it because you want people to say that okay, this is a pious person. Yeah, that's wrong. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. But one is. You're doing your salah in in public with yeah. the intention that you know what one one is it's yeah. your salah yes. right number two is this may itself become a dawah for someone yeah right yeah. Yeah. that is also a good intention can you can you right? make that as an intention yeah. that your salah is also going to be a dawah for people well yeah of course you know yeah, I, I think maybe even if you do it sincerely for definitely sincerely for Allah's sake and not have anything else people will see you and they come to you so that's like yeah. a yeah a, you know them yeah. having seen you pray they pray yeah. as well you get the reward yeah. Yeah. but it could be tempting too you know I know yeah. brothers back in the day MSA yeah. they'd go to a sister oh a sister just you know where's <laughs> yeah, the masala they know where the masala is that's different yeah. Yeah. They know what a sister, you know, where's the you know, I just back to that, right? Like, what, what is yeah. it really in your heart yeah. that's pushing That's true. true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I think um, it, it is like, well, first of all, if you're in a, like a park or a barbecue yeah. or some type of gathering when you're outside anyways, then that I think comes naturally, but then there might be something that's different where like, okay, I'm going to pray on purpose in front of everyone. You know what I mean? That that, that may that, yeah. be a little bit tempting, you know, for your nafs, you know, to to bust yeah. out a little bit more khushu in this. Yeah. I think <laughs> performative khushu. I, I think it's like the it's like the ayah of the Quran where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "In tubdu sadaqati fani imbali, wa in tufuha wa tuuha, fahuwa khairul lakum." 
that if you give sadaqah openly, yes. how good a thing is that? Yes. But if you hide it yeah. and you give it, it's better for you. Yes. It's safer, yes. right? Yes. So it's so I think it falls kind of in the same. Yeah. 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 I'm gonna have to leave, inshallah. Okay. On behalf of the LifeHug team, thank you for watching this video. And for more clips and beneficial content, please subscribe to the LifeHug channel, your number one source for personal Islamic development. One thing that came up recently, that maybe uh, we can, I can get your um, also insight on, Sheikh, is um, there's brothers who are posting about um, if you can use breathing, like to manipulate your breathing, to get almost like a high, you know what I mean? So you like, it's, you almost get like an intoxicated state, right? So like you can you can actually do this by like doing certain breathing things where you can get like this intoxicated state, you know? And uh, you know because there's a there is a health component in breathing properly and learning how to breathe and stuff like that. But then some people take it to the extreme where they manipulate their breathing where they get almost like this high and it's like oh this is a halal high you know type of thing. What are your thoughts on that? It seems like okay somebody has a little bit too much time in their hand because you're you're literally like manipulating your who has time to manipulate your breathing you know what I mean and sit there. Okay, well, honestly, it's the first I hear of this. Yeah, I mean, so this uh, is a fresh. What's the Fresh result? Fatwa Does a person basically get uh, high? Yeah, yeah they can get, you can get an intoxicated like, state. Like, you mean, like as if you're drunk? Well, yeah, you can be like almost like dizzy and like a little bit euphoric. You okay. can get euphoria. It's a yes. blood rush, right? Yeah, you can get a, some type of euphoria. I don't know if it's similar to how like, you know, you have the swirling dervishes maybe. I don't know. Like if you spin yourself really, yeah. really fast. You get you to know? that point of dizziness. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you get dizziness and a sense of euphoria. See, when you, this type of... Uh, scenario if it's more like for example the swirling dervishes yeah. it's not exactly a high yeah it's a euphoria but not an intoxicated state where you yeah. because see like uh, intoxication within Islam yeah I mean it's basically what clouds your judgment your mind yeah so you're unable to stay things straight so one who gets drunk yeah taking excessive amounts of alcohol where they're now impaired yes so the question is more does it give you that state of impairment or not yeah I don't think it does if it, it's simply the euphoric state where you're on a high, but a different type of high. Basically, like yeah. an extreme amount of joy. Yeah. yeah. It's not exactly an impairment, but the question here is, is it dangerous to your health? Yes. If it is dangerous to your health, then this falls under a different guideline. Nadar or Yeah. So it just really, uh, it needs someone to kind of really I don't elaborate. know what the, the, the feeling is or the experience that yeah. people have. This is the first I hear of it. Yeah, yeah. So no, know. but people can get like, they say they get high. They get Allah. like... That's the way that non-Muslims describe it, yeah. and they are obviously familiar with all sorts of other types right. of intoxications. Right. But the way you describe it is, well, you get like a natural high, or like, yeah. or like you know, you get a high by manipulating your breathing, right? See, there's different substances that we have that yeah. will give you a certain high. But see, the word high, even yeah. in Arabic, we're talking about it, it'll give you different perceptions. So there's yes. a certain high when someone takes, you know, the alqat. Yes. Al-Qat, they'll chew on it and they yeah. get them to a certain state of high and it's a euphoria yeah. where he just kind of slows down just yeah. really slows down and yeah. he, he feels everything it just kind of gets yeah. him to that state where yeah and he, you're, you're interfering with your normal mm. body processes basically okay. so this would be haram because it interferes with the body process okay. getting stoned on marijuana it doesn't make you it doesn't per se make you drunk like alcohol yes but it still is haram because of the harm that it has upon your body mm. and as well it interferes with the 
the functions. Either yeah. speed when you speed up your functions, yeah, or you slow them down. Yeah. You can't do that. This is haram. Okay. Yeah. So it would fall maybe within that realm, but like I said, it has to be. Yeah. You have to double check into it and see. Yeah, you'd have yeah. to look into the yeah. details of that. Yeah. Because yeah. like I, I'll, I'll look into it after and show. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, because I, I, I know this is different than there was like this uh, trend on social media where people would choke themselves. Yeah. And okay, then they yeah. would they would choke themselves and then they would kind of stop and they would get like this like almost yeah, euphoric state yeah yeah exactly that's haram because you're, yeah. you're choking yourself and yeah some other people are doing some choking something else and they uh, yeah. <laughs> they yeah. kill themselves <laughs> yeah some yeah. actors you know what I'm talking about so yeah 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 exactly that, that is outright because that, that are, it falls under that guideline which yes. is a very broad guideline right yeah. do not harm yourself or others yeah because in the end this body is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yeah we're simply here to maintain it make sure that it's you know we we don't harm it in any way yeah and then if we do, that's where the tahrim falls into it, right? Maqasid of sharia, of which, yani protecting your deen, your of which is also a, your your body, yes. right? Your intellect as well in your body. So these are all part of that package. Islam yeah. was designed to protect all of these things. The mm. fundamental, you know, you can say aims of sharia are these the five. Yani. Are there are there any like substances that you see people don't know? that it's haram but it actually is haram well there is to me when i look at uh, substances that are haram the biggest issue that we should look at is the presence of ethyl alcohol ethyl in, alcohol yeah in amounts that would be uh, even if they're called trace amounts to me yeah. uh, it's still haram yes. even if it might not intoxicate yes. the issue is whatever does intoxicate let's say in an ice cap this is one example so the ice cap yes they confirm that there is um, trace amounts of alcohol in it so okay. these trace amounts of alcohol, they put it in there to keep the consistency, yes. the flavor. So if we isolate that trace amount yeah. and multiply it, right, then we know for a fact that it will make you drunk. Yes. Whatever in great amounts intoxicates, even its trace amount yes. would be deemed haram. Okay. So to us, even though it's not going to intoxicate you, the majority opinion is that whatever does have the potential of intoxication, yes. it also is najis, it's also impure. Okay. So this is an actual impurity. Okay. So um, So alcohol is also impure? Yes, this is the majority okay. opinion. Hanafi, okay. Maliki, Shafi'i and Hanbali. Okay. Um, of course, there is a minority opinion that the impurity of, of khamar is not actual impurity, but rather uh, a metaphorical impurity. Yes. But to me, the stronger opinion is that it is an actual impurity. And we have okay. different evidences for that. What about uh, cologne? Cologne is different because here, although it does contain ethyl alcohol, yes. the composition of the alcohol within cologne is not called ethyl, it's called denat or denatured alcohol. Okay. So it's a combination of methanol, isopropyl, and also ethanol. So if yeah. one does consume it, it does not intoxicate, it kills you. Yes. So in that case, it's a different thing. We've changed yes. its composition in that, same, yes. in that sense. So I don't see any tahrim in using uh, alcohol but ethyl preference. alcohol can be consumed you're saying uh, yeah or it is consumed it is that's what makes you drunk okay yeah so that it's found naturally occurring as well it is inserted into certain drinks mm. for various purposes right so mm. let's assume right now in the this example of the ice cap mm. that we do have a known amount of trace a trace amount of alcohol mm. within the drink um, that being present would indicate to it that it, it is nudges it's impure mm. so People get confused. Okay, purity, impurity. What does that mean? Mm. It's it, it's used to disinfect wounds. It, definitely, it is. Mm. It has that property. But purity, impurity is not a science or a medical term. It's a shara'i term. Mm. So there's certain things that are pure, certain mm. things that are impure, actually mm. or metaphorically. This is a designation of the sharia. And you have you know antibacterial properties. That's scientific. That's medical. 
So not everything that is antibacterial is actually a pure substance. During World War II, World War I, when people were wounded, they didn't have any disinfectants, so they would use urine. Mm. Urine has that, when it's like really dark yellow, it mm. does have that property of you know, killing bacteria, disinfecting wounds, so they would use it mm. uh, when they didn't have anything. So if you get a cut and you disinfect it with, yeah. um, like say, ethyl alcohol, yeah. Like you, then is like you can pray now. No, no, uh, you you just wash your hand. You just wash your wash hand. your hand. That's it. Yeah, because you're removing okay. it. Um, okay. But you know, uh, in World War One, World War Two, yes. when they were using these liquids, they were antibacterial, but at the same time, yeah. still najis from the Shari point of view. Okay. Urine is najasa. Mm. You know, uh, people get like I said, they confuse the terms. Mm. So, if we're to say substitute in an ice cap, and this is the mm. thing, people don't kind of make that correlation. Mm. If we were to substitute the trace amounts of alcohol within the drink with trace amounts of urine, mm. you tell a person, well, you know what, this has a grade A trace amounts of, uh, of urine mm. to give it that nice consistency and flavor and color. Mm. No one will touch it. Mm. There's urine in there. Why don't yeah. you touch it? Well, it's an antibacterial yeah. product. No, yeah. we don't touch it. We don't take it. Yeah. Because it's, it's revolting, right? Yeah. But for alcohol, no, we, people mm. look at it and say, no, it's not a big deal. It's okay. Mm. See, then with the Athar of Najasa, in the drink, let's say someone was, you know, in a location where some alcohol poured on him. This is Najasa, so you cannot perform Salah in that garment, you got to wash it. Mm. Um, and the problem is, it's not so straight cut, this is straight cut we're talking. But when it comes to more of the issues where we have alcohol on a day-to-day -day basis in our foods, that is the thing where, that's, that's really distracting. You'll find it, for example, in almost anything that's sweet. Yes. So it's a substitute where they can increase the sweetness of a product mm. at a very cheap cost, right? Mm. It's always, you know, how, do, how can you make more money? Mm. So they do this to kind of increase that sellability plus profit margins, right? Mm. So it's almost everywhere, Sheikh. So you look mm. at, you know, um, any product, and I did this to my, with, with my own family. Go inside our, our kitchen, the pantry, just checking randomly for stuff. Because, you know, you buy stuff, you don't realize, you know, certain mm. recipes require certain things. Mm. So we're checking in our pantry and we found pure vanilla, uh, pure vanilla extract, mm. which, you know, is used for many pastries and yes. uh, sweet dishes. This has alcohol. If I drink it, I'll become drunk. Mm. Right? It's 35.5% alcohol in there. So it's okay. a very high amount, Sheikh. Yeah. So it's deadly. I mean, if you take the whole thing in one shot, you'll, you'll become woozy and you might even collapse. Mm but it can get you impaired. Mm. So in this case, it would be deemed, you know, najasa. We should not be buying this to begin with. Mm. So there's so many things that kind of tie in with this, which is... Uh, what about hand sanitizers? They have a high percentage. They do have, but then here with hand sanitizers, you're gonna have multiple types and kinds mm. of hand sanitizers. Overall, because of the pandemic that we're in, the argument can be made that it's najasa, but because of the situation that we're in, mm. so in this case, we have an exceptionary rule over here mm. that states that dire needs, legalize that which we deem unlawful, right? Mm. So we know it to kill bacteria. It'll get rid of the, you know, if let's say we have COVID-19 bacteria in our hands, mm. you use that, it'll kill it. It's been mm. proven scientifically speaking. So we can use it in that regard, mm. alhamdulillah. But let's say it was not COVID time yes. and you happen to use it. Based on this view that I take by, which is the more strict opinion, wash your hand before you perform your salah. Yes. After. So that way you're safe, right? Even now, I mean, it Couldn't does it, will, will it, so it'll break your wudu then? No, it, you basically one of the pre prerequisites of salah is that you have the purity of your body and the place of prayer. So if let's say someone performs prayer while they have najas on the body, they basically ruptured the prayer from the, from the get-go. Yes. So this is one of the prerequisites that must be present before you start praying salah. 
So say like for example, you have wudu, yeah, and then you use hand sanitizer. Yeah. Is your wudu broken? Well, I'm not going to go that far because here it's an area of khilaf, contemporary khilaf among scholars. But if you're going to take by the stricter opinion, your wudu is not broken. You just wash your hand. That's you it. Just wash your hand. Wash your hand. Yeah, that's okay. all. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, what, what is your opinion? Because you're telling me this, and I remember back in the day reading the book by Sayyid Sabiq. What's yes. your opinion on, uh, you know, his, you know, uh, book and the compilation? Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful book, mashallah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh, it's one of the first books I've read in yes. English. Fiqh, subhanAllah, Sunnah, yes, for Sayyid Sabiq, rahmatullahi alayhi. You know, he does touch on many contemporary issues. He has yeah. his own ijtihad, and, yeah. you know, he brings to light different opinions, which yeah. I think is important. Because often we've been raised up with the one opinion approach. Yes. So, you know. I think in North America, yeah. his book was one of the first oh, ones yeah. where people were starting to see oh, the yeah. different uh, the opinions viewpoints, yeah, yes, yes. compared. Mm -hmm. And then it came out more. It, it, look, it, to me, it was a start of anyone's journey into ilm. Mm. Like that would be one of the first things you have in your library. Yes. You go get that book, right? Yeah. And then you sit with the sheikh afterwards and they'll discuss the various opinions. Yeah. If you didn't have that book, the sheikh could tell you, it's only this, this, and this. Yes. Straight opinions that he, he used to be the strongest, and that's it. Mm. You'll never hear of any other opinion. Mm. So when you go outside, this happened to me and many other students' of knowledge. Yeah. You go outside and begin to learn academically. You're like, hold on a moment, that's not right. Mm. I knew this is the only opinion, but then you realize there's like four mm. other opinions yeah. in the masala that you covered, right? Mm. And the one that you hold to might be the weaker one. Yes. That's where the shock comes in. Yeah. So Sayyid Sabiq's book, Rahmatullahi Alayhi, um, it was, I think, at the time, you know, well needed. Yes. And even now, it's like a resource that almost, I think every masjid, every library has to begin with. Mm. It's an important work, definitely, alhamdulillah. And uh, what are your thoughts about Ibn Rushd's book as well? Oh, beautiful. Bidayat, is it in English? or? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen the English. But we studied that book, Bidayat al-Mujtahid. Yeah. Beautiful book, mashallah. Yes. It's a comparative. Yeah. But keep in mind, there's certain, like, with He doesn't any include the Hanafi opinion in there. Um, there's, uh, he does, he'll, he'll mention ittifaq. Yeah. So there's going to be like, it's not like, it's, look, there's, a, there's certain books that are in-depth yeah. within the madahib, and there's like these encyclopedic works that just mm. touch on the general opinions. Yes. That to me is his work. Okay. So it doesn't really go in, de in detail. Yes. Um, you know, him being a madiki to begin with, yes. he just wanted to kind of bring that encyclopedic work together. Mm. From an Andalus. Yeah. So you wouldn't have, back then, you know, with the, the contact that you have and the, it'll be limited in an Andalus. Mm. Uh, to the scholars who were there, and at that time, you had the Lahiri Madhab quite strong. Uh, that it was basically um, propagated by Imam Ibn Hazm al Lahiri, rahmatullahi mm -hmm. alayhi, and also the Maliki Madhab. They were like in contention quite a lot, mm -hmm. the two sides. And um, his book kind of, it's a nice book, it gathers everything together. Mm -hmm. and I personally benefited from it greatly, alhamdulillah. Mm -hmm. alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. That's good. What is your um, opinion, or what you, would you suggest and advise? for like the average Muslim in terms of having a book of reference for like, you know, yeah. of Ibadah? Well, Sheikh, there are many now in English, so I'm yeah. not really aware of the full scope of the English library. It's expanded greatly. So mm -hmm. from the time that I'm looking back, and to be honest, I have, I prefer Arabic books because mm -hmm. time and time again, the English works, the translations kind of get, they irk me so much. Mm -hmm. I tend just to leave it in the, on the shelf as a, as a you know, shelf piece, that's it. Mm -hmm. So I have my Arabic books, um, which I use, different madahib and whatnot, but mm -hmm. You, it's it's worth a look. I mean, to see. I, uh, so I, not, I can't give you a response right now. Yeah, but so from Arabic, like what would you? The say? Arabic, the essential works you'll be getting. I mean, if you're looking, it depends on 
what you're doing. If you're like a student or that have graduated from university, then by all means you're going to have the key works that you should have in your library. Al Mughni for Ibn Qudama rahmatullahi alayhi as a key encyclopedic, that's a beautiful encyclopedic work. I myself have Ibn Hazm's book, Ibn Qudama's book, Al Muhalla bil Athar for Ibn Hazm, which is like encyclopedic as well. Um, and you know, other for other madahib you can get, you know, like Al Um for Shafi'i rahmatullahi alayhi. But there is one that, you know, coming to think of this, there is one book that kind of, if a person does not have the luxury of buying all these books, mm. you can just choose the one book, mm. which is the encyclopedia work, encyclopedic work of the Kuwaiti Ministry of Islamic Affairs. So mm. it's, we look, we call it the Al-Mosu'ah Al-Kuwaitiya, the Kuwaiti Encyclopedia, and it's divided by topics. So any topic that you want in mm. fiqh, let's say you're looking for wudu, you open the cha- wow, mm. wudu gives you all the ahkam of wudu in light of the form of that. With oh, evidences nice. and proofs, mm. it's roughly over twenty-five volumes. Wow! But if you can get the one book, you're set. Mm. Alhamdulillah, everything is there. Do they have like uh, like a website or an online version of that? There is on the uh, if you have Android, it's there. Okay. Yeah, I, I, uh, there's nothing on um, the Apple. Mm. There's something very odd uh, PDF. I don't like it. Mm. But in the and uh, the Android. Beautiful, beautiful like uh, layout. The app is amazing. Oh really? So, oh yeah. So it's oh, yeah. the it's whole amazing. thing. The whole thing. The whole thing. Do they have a website as well? Yeah, I believe so, but I don't think it's necessarily listed over there. Oh okay. You have okay. to kind of either find the specific app. Oh okay. Or you just go get yourself the book itself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because you know, like twenty-five. <laughs> it's huge. So you got to find some good shelf space for oh, that. It is yes, but okay. then it's a book that you will not put down. Yeah. You'll yeah. be always using. You always use it as a reference, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. No, that's a good khair, Sheikh, you know, for that. What do you think is, at this point, just to end off, what do you think are, are some of the most, uh, or the most misunderstood fiqh issue that people deal with? Well, to be very open, it's with the foods. It's the foods. Yeah, because, you know, other masail, you can pick them up. Salawat, this, that, yeah. you picked up, you've learned it. Uh, so there'll be a basis for it. Let's say, once from a Hanafi family, Maliki Shafi, yeah. you pick it up, not much of a difference, but it's with the foods where people display a, 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 you know, no knowledge in certain masail. Yeah. To them, haram is only khinzir, pig, yes. or alcohol in the bottle. Yes. Beyond that, to some likewise, it's everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Then you'll have some who don't understand the, the terminology used in English, because there's certain things that might appear haram, mm-hmm. but they're not haram. Mm-hmm. Right? Like chocolate liquor, for example, or liqueur. Yes. Yeah. The people are like, oh, this is haram. Yeah. So the word liquor is a, yeah. alcohol, but it's yes. not. Okay. So it's a, that's only a, a liquid chocolate, basically, right? Mm. So you do have the terminology in English, yeah. and then in addition, if you look at any package, read the the labels in the back. It's full of chemicals, preservatives. Mm. So some might be questionable. So you'd be, it's like a research. You're sitting down, going through each and every single one to see what is harmful, determine how dangerous it is, and uh, this is one thing that I found even in Malaysia. Uh, and I was surprised because that's why I studied about the halal foods. Even there, in the candies that are labeled halal, you find it over here. It's stamped halal, yes. right? So if you look at it, the halal there in this context means that there's no alcohol and no khinzir, so you're safe. But turn it around, you have all these e numbers. Yes, they're all banned in UK, in <laughs> Europe, and in Canada, <laughs> but they're here. And each one is so devastating, yeah. harmful to your health. Yeah, uh, some even cause like I, I was shocked because this is the orange color they add. Yeah. Uh, and there's a yellow color. Yeah. One of them causes hyperactivity in children, wow. proven, and it's banned in the in the uh, in Europe. Yes. And the second one causes some type of weird. Um, it's uh, subhanallah. It's escaped my mind, but it causes a condition. 
it's banned almost everywhere but mm. it's somehow okay in the Muslim countries mm. so uh, they don't take that into, into consideration do not harm yourself right mm. you're not at liberty to go and eat something that will harm you you got to be very careful how you what you consume do you think Sheikh like the term or the phrase of in fiqh like one of the principles is that you know everything in the you know dunya matters is halal until proven haram mm-hmm. and then you know in ibadah you know everything is yes. haram unless it's you know yeah, yeah. do you think that term is abused sometimes i feel sometimes you know mm-hmm. people kind of use that as a blanket statement to yeah. just like you know do a lot of different yeah, things see, what do you think uh, the in terms of the first one al aslu fil ashya by default all things right are are permissible permissible and yeah. lawful halal yeah. the abuse to me is not in using this yeah it's one's approach to not actually doing the research mm. to understanding whether this is halal or not because mm. by default it is halal but then there's certain things that may deem it to be haram yes. if you're not putting the proper work in mm. then you know you'll be consuming something that's harmful to your health but, but you know people almost take it as a statement of being able to be ignorant about things yeah so as long as that's wrong. as long as you haven't proven to me that this is haram i can keep doing it yeah. so then the onus becomes that you prove it to me it's haram or else yeah. i'm going to keep doing this yeah. that's i i've seen that yeah. now attitude yeah. Yeah, you know come up from people what do you think I, I, about I that i agree with you that that, that yeah. is you know get picking up speed basically yeah. people the problem is people are you know giving priority to their likes and uh, wants mm. and they're making it as if they're needs i need to have this when yes. it's just a sweet drink or just for example uh, mm. a donut i need to have that yes. it's not a need yeah. but we've made it a need because yeah. you want that sugar in your body yeah so uh, i agree with you it's one of those abused t- uh, terms in the way that people their, their attitudes are towards mm. this right mm. all it needs is a shift in the attitude to understand that listen this is a, an amana from allah that you have your mm. body is an amana mm. You must take care of it to the best of your ability. If you're going to slack off, mm. there's there is accountability in regards mm. to this. You're going to be held accountable. Mm. Subhanallah. So we're not free to just to damage our bodies the way that we want. Yeah. It belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how, how do we balance that term because like and now if, if we just not even just take food matters but yeah. say like other any yeah. other type of like, you know, muamalat or anything, right? Yeah. Uh, how do we then balance between like being you know hyper like having this compulsive you know thing to yeah. verify everything and then being so laissez fair and like you know it's going to be it's it's okay unless you prove to me and then you have yeah. to really prove to me that this is haram like before yeah. i stop doing it right okay. so how do you balance that like whether it's with food or like anything else you know what i mean sheikh the key is of here is a balance yeah. you can never go to either extreme yeah there's some people who go nuts and read every yeah. single label and ingredient that's a bit insane yeah and you know uh, there's some givens you don't have to go down that path like mm-hmm. for example bread right and they'll be reading this oh this is haram because of this these are maybe there's a, s- a chance but it's like one in a, a million yeah. yeah so i don't see the the need to go down that path of verifying every mm-hmm. single small little chemical component mm-hmm. if it's overall deemed to be safe halas there's a term we have here in the west gras grass generally recognized as safe is a des- designation mm. for certain substances added to the foods right mm. it's been abused of late but mm. then overall if there's certain foods that we've been consuming that we know to be healthy nutritious wholesome you don't have to go down that path of verifying mm. whereas on the opposite end we have that you know uh, inappropriate attitude of don't verify nothing 
I don't care. I'm going to keep on eating and drinking. Mm. As long as I, you know, I don't have strong proof, I'm not going to bother. Mm. So that's another inappropriate attitude. We've got to find that balance, that, that middle mm. ground. Mm. So I'm not going to go to the nitty-gritty of verifying every single thing in bread, for example. Mm. But I'm not going to go at the same time, just pick up a package off the shelf and eat it. Yeah. So I want to verify to an extent what's there. Mm, there yeah. could be alcohol there. There could be, for example, other substances. Yeah. Right? So an example of you know, going a bit overboard is where a person will sit down, taking into account every single chemical component. They could be just chemicals, right? Flavor enhancers, they could be whatever. And this is everywhere. So some will go to the point of saying, I will not eat any of this stuff. So then they limit themselves just to raw foods. Mm. If that's your thing, khayr, go ahead, do it. Mm. Alhamdulillah. At the same time, it's not for everyone. Mm. The problem is when I, for example, take my raw food approach mm. and tell you it's haram to eat anything else. Mm. That is wrong. Whereas on the other end, the person who has no sense whatsoever, just eat whatever's in front of you. Mm. That's wrong as well because you could be consuming haram. Yeah. Right? And yeah, that's, you have to have that balance, definitely. Do we have any type of like uh, unified or uh, halal standard, like national standard in, there, in uh, uh, Canada? There are initiatives that have come forth, but they mostly uh, take into consideration slaughtering animals properly. Mm. Chicken, uh, cattle, lamb, that's all they kind of focus on. Mm. When it comes to identifying the individual items in the, in the label, so mm. to say, it's not here. Mm. This is something, for example, in Malaysia, mm. they have a system, the Sharia Accord, their Jakim, J-A-K-I-M. Mm. They have refined a system whereby they will label something as halal. Right? Mm. Some people laugh at their system, but I'm very proud of that system. Mm. Sometimes you'll even find the water stamped halal. People laugh, why is the water stamped halal? I found it funny at first. Yeah. Too. But what the, what the term halal, what they actually mean is that this water was not purified with anything that's haram. Because mm. most companies you know, in that part of the world, when they purify water, there's like a three or four layer system. The very first one is with pig bristles. So the water shoots to the pig bristles. Oh. It takes all the things apart. Then it finally gets to the last filtration cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're telling you, okay, it's halal, meaning there's none of this there. Why do they have to use pig bristles? My guess is good as yours, Shaykh, subhanAllah. Yeah. But look at that. Like, yeah. I, 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 when I heard about that, I was like, you know what? Jazakallah khair. May Allah reward you. Yeah. And likewise, you'll find, uh, for example, in the capsules for the medicines, stamped halal, meaning the gelatin that they're using is halal gelatin, mm. for example. Another example, for example, the shoes, the insoles, stamped yeah. halal. You're not going to eat it. Yeah. But what they mean by this is that it's proven not to be khanzir. Mm. So they're very keen on this thing. In fact, it's off topic a little bit. When in the university there, um, I was doing my master's in this topic. One of our professors, he was a co-inventor of a device. Mm. I'm praying to Allah that it comes here so I can have it. Mm. A device is two-ended. So him and um, Dr. Irwandi and there's a few others, these are my professors there. They, they created this device that on the one end, if you take it over any type of food, it'll give you the exact porcine content just by like a sniffer. Oh, wow. It directly tells you, okay, there's this much porcine content in the item for you. Oh, wow. The other end, you turn it on activated, it'll sniff out any alcohol content, no matter how small, oh, just by really? sniffing it. So it's a device patented, done, created already. Oh, really? Hopefully it does come here, but then I'm sure yeah. it'll be causing a disaster here because people yeah. will be over the food, they'll find yeah. that there's pork Not and this Not only food, they'll be on people. <laughs> <laughs> Allah, I'm sure that's Take that alert. <laughs> Allahu Akbar, subhanAllah. But no, look at that, where the, the yeah. ilm has taken them, subhanAllah. Allahu yeah. Akbar, subhanAllah. So that, that's like a standard that you can, I think is next to none, yes. what they have in uh, in Malaysia. Yes. They certify all those they, I, I, I saw like a, a big book that they release. Yeah. Uh, every year they have some kind of halal like conference. Yes. And then it's like an international, like, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. like almost like a, 
um, from that conference, yeah. all the papers that came in. Well, it was really nice. We had that, because like, I'm part of the alumni there. Of the, yeah. They always invite us to come yeah. uh, take part. And, you know, inshallah, the 24th, mm. I have uh, session of the Halal Foods, inshallah. Oh, mashallah. Inshallah. inshallah. Uh, it's in the same theme. So we yeah. talk about Halal issues with the, you know, the other students that are the prospective students and students that are there right now, other alumni. We talk about these issues, kind of debating what trends or what should be, what, you know, items that have come now that we can assess being halal or haram, right? Mm. So it's very interesting, alhamdulillah. Mm. And uh, th- to me, that is that is like, even without mentioning other countries, you know what I'm getting at, but then overall, mm. their system is pristine, mashallah. They've done a lot of work to make, refine it. Yes. And um, other places, they do have systems like this, but not mm. as stringent. There's like a lot of loose ends. Mm. Like I remember when I was living in Saudi, there was quite a few products that would come in until afterwards, it's like, oh, don't, there's a ban, don't eat this food, there's something inside that you should not, that should, that should not be there. Mm-hmm. Like, where were you guys in the beginning? Yeah. You imported this food in the country, yeah. right? And they actually translate the labels. So they all know what's there exactly. Mm. And then suddenly, oh, it's, don't eat this. Mm. Right? So that's happened a couple of times where they've announced, the only thing there, they don't recall. They just put a, if you haven't seen the, the, the uh, memo, Allah ya yeah, because you'll, you'll consume that product already. Mm. Subhanallah. Uh, it's less pristine there. I mean, yes. uh, Malaysia is like really, it's on a different level, subhanAllah, mashallah. What's your opinion on like foods that are labeled kosher? Well, kosher, you got to be a little bit careful with it because um, processed kosher foods mm. that are unlike the unprocessed. If you look at the ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to consume the food of Ahlul Kitab, mm. the food of the Ahlul Kitab is lawful unto you, we have to ask a question, what is meant by ta'am in this ayah, right? We know for a fact, um, during Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's time, that food would have been unprocessed meats, or meats that were prepared with the same ingredients everyone else had, right? Um, so for example, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went to, you know, some of the homes of Ahlul Kitab, they prepared some meat for him, which he and his companions ate. Um, so that was more to the unprocessed, processed with whatever people had in Al-Madin. Nothing exotic, so to say. But subhanAllah, with uh, today, we have so many items in the in the kosher foods that you have to be careful of as well. So if you want to take the ayah from the get-go, the, the meats that are slaughtered by kosher standards, unprocessed, you can consume. Mm. Because of the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. Likewise, the animal slaughtered that are lawful for us, of course, from the uh, Christians, who are true Christians, and it's slaughtered, unprocessed, we can consume that as well, based on the eye of the Qur'an. Mm. Okay. But when it comes to process now, whether it be Christian or Jewish, mm. often than not, they add alcohol to it, even the Jews, the kosher standard. And I found this out the hard way because I happened to get myself a kosher meal mm. uh, when I was flying back from one of my trips back to Canada. Mm. So when I flip the package over, it tells you, certified by Rabbi so-and-so, mm. it's been up to standard. And then they give you the ingredients. Mm. So inside this, the chicken that uh, I had ordered, uh, it was um, preserved in red wine, oh. uh, uh, kosher, kosher wine. Yeah. Right? So you can't eat it then. Yeah. That's najasa to me. Yeah. Right? You can't touch it. So you got to be careful. I mean, we don't know this over here, but many people think, oh, kosher, khalas, go eat it. Hold on a moment. And you know, even the same with Ahlul Kitab, it's more so with Ahlul Kitab, Christians, yeah. I mean than with the Jews. Jews are more stringent. Yeah. The Christians are, the standards are a bit more, you know, open in that regard. Mm. 
But if you do find, let's say, someone who is doing hand slaughter and it's processed, you got to ask that question. What was it preserved in? Yes. Right. There's a lot that they preserve in these types of mediums because it gives flavor, it taste, enhances, you know, yes. uh, certain textures. That's what they do. Mm. Otherwise, they become very, you know, mm. tough. So they do that to, te- to you know, tenderize it. So I, don't know, I remember stuff. back in the days, um, that's the only way, like when we were kids, you could get marshmallows. Oh, yeah. Was the kosher marshmallow. Oh, yeah. Right? And then yeah. uh, that was also rare to find. Yeah, then, even now, you can't yeah. find as much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but now, like, you can get halal. And now that you have vegan, too, by the way. Oh, yeah. You have vegan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I would uh, strongly advise people to be careful of gelatin as well. Yes. Because, you know, there is some debate, but this debate is more contemporary. Okay. It's not from the Sahaba because they didn't have yeah. this to begin with. The debate is more in terms of whether gelatin is co- completely chemically transformed or okay. simply partially transformed. Whoever believes it to be partially transformed deems it haram. Mm. And it's a, if, we, if we, let's say it's taken from pig bone or pig skin, yes. right? If it's only partially transformed, it's haram. Mm. If it's completely transformed, it's deemed halal. Um, that's, of course, the, the context. Now, if we look at the process it goes through, you know, just kind of summarize that process. There's a seven-step process to, uh, to prepare, boil, and then uh, purify the gelatin. In essence, what it is, if I'm to summarize this up, it's basically taking a, a pig bone, okay, putting it in a, in, in, in a uh, hot pot, mm. for lack of a better thing. Let it cook for 24 hours inside there. Mm. So now you have the settings, put it 24 hours if you can. Let it boil in its own, uh, you know, with the water. Of course, you're going to put water, you're going to put vinegar, you're going to put, you know, uh, salts and whatnot. And you close it up, let it boil for 24 hours. When you open up at 24 hours, you're not going to find a bone inside there. Mm. You're going to find a froth mm. on top. The gelatin is essentially that. You take it, you purify that, clean it up, get rid of the smell, the scent, add some flavors, colors to it. And then you can use that to make gelatin afterwards. So to me, this is not a complete transformation because it's still pig. If it was a complete transformation, now you ask anyone who believes it to be so, to look at uh, exchanging that bone with something else. Mm. Let's say, get rid of the bone, Take a pig steak, put it in the pot, same process, 24 hours, salt, vinegar, lemon, lime, whatever you put in there. 24 hours afterwards, you're not going to find a piece of meat there. You're going to find a froth and a colorless broth over there. Let's say you take the froth and the broth and then you purify it 20 times. You put some salt and sugar and some color to it. Would anyone eat that? I don't think anyone in the right mind would even touch that because to them, it's khanzir. But how come we're dif- distinguishing between the pig bone, it's halal, it's mm. okay, and the pig meat? Mm. It's all the same. If you give one one treatment, give both the same treatment, right? So do you see people who differentiate uh, the meat and the bones when it comes to like non-khanzir meat, like say, uh, you know, cow beef that's not been like, yeah. you know, halal certified? Yeah. Well, I've seen some people differentiate between that. I don't know. If yeah, you, well, like if you know something has beef gelatin, for example. Yeah, with beef gelatin, people will be a bit more lenient because well, maybe Ahlul Kitab slaughtered that beef. There's a chance. Yeah. yeah. Especially with the opinion that says whatever is the slaughtered here. Lottery. Yes. So <laughs> I, I don't accept that. I'm more yeah. strict with it. So if I see gelatin, yeah. I'm repelled by it immediately. Yeah. And well, but I, you know what's yeah. coming out more so is um, gelatin from seafood. Yeah. That's the, becoming more common. Yeah. Yeah. Doctor, there's something that uh, kind of hit my mind right now, subhanAllah, in Australia. When I was there, because mm. we were looking for my kids, 
at that time were quite young, and they wanted to have yogurt. It's you know the yogurt, the kids yogurt, yeah, yeah, the yeah. squirt yogurt. Here you can't have that because mo most of it has gelatin. Yes. There's only a few brands. So we went to Australia. I said, SubhanAllah, I'm not sure what's here. We yeah. entered the main market store, public market. Yeah. And I'm looking at these squirt Pauls. There's your plate, all these things that I know. Pauls is not here, but mm. your plate is here. I turn around and I have the images. Halal gelatin. Wow. And it's not from a Muslim. This is marketed across the country. Yes. Halal gelatin. Yeah. The Pauls one. Halal gelatin. I started grabbing. I'm like, all oh, halal. Allah. Yeah, yeah. I you start taking them all. I, all <laughs> take them back with you. Took everything. Else. <laughs> oh, <I laughs> this suitcase. Do you have anything to declare? <laughs> halal gelatin. <laughs> so this yogurt. Just, just go. I can't deal with this. <laughs> the kids enjoyed it. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it actually tasted good too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that surprised me. Since so, what difference is there between Australia? Yeah. And Canada. There, in these issues, they're more unified, mm. united together. We demand this. Oh wow! They got it here. Yeah. We're all. Yeah. You can't even agree on a certain. We don't have simple a, I, That's what I find. It's like there's so many different committees and organizations yeah. doing right. this halal certification. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there's but what nothing. Are they yeah. There's nothing consistent. They're certifying just the meat that's going to be slaughtered. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Nothing when it comes else. to anything else, they don't certify. They don't have a yeah. body or system. Yeah. So you have to have yeah. something to put in place. So my idea was to bring the Jackham system here. Mm. Just take it, import it, bring it here. Yeah. And use that system for everything that we have in. Yeah. You can do that, yeah. definitely, subhanAllah. Yeah. And the standard we need is there. Yeah, we need something standardized. You have to. You yeah, have to. we yeah. definitely do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That makes the life easy. Just yeah. khalas, okay, halal, halal, finished. Yeah. yeah. Alhamdulillah. And you have trusted people, transparency, you can yeah. see how it works, and oh, yeah. you know they oh, publish yeah. everything maybe on their website. Yeah, you, know, you have to have research studies back yeah. in what you're saying. Yeah. Everything must be there open and clear. Yeah. But overall, if you do have a system and standard in place, it makes life easier, alhamdulillah. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Well, Jazamakhir, we talked uh, some actually some very good food topics and issues in a, the best setting, I would say, in a restaurant, of course, right? Yeah. So, so, yeah, no, alhamdulillah, Jazamakhir, Sheikh, for your wisdom, your insight, your knowledge. Give us the tawfiq to uh, implement it and save us from these things that we seemingly think, oh, it's nothing, it's easy, it's just, you know, gummy bears, but, you know. Allah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alhamdulillah. All right, Jazamakhir. So, uh, We'd like to thank our audience, inshallah. We want to keep producing excellent quality programming for all of you. And remember always to live by the hub, die by the hub, and just when you think life is stuck, tune in to Life Hub. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. On behalf of the Life Hub team, thank you for watching this video. And for more clips and beneficial content, please subscribe to the LifeHuck channel, your number one source for personal Islamic development. Do I feel that the New York police are providing enough protection or do I have to have protection of my own? I look for protection from Allah.